welcome to an episode, another episode of Giving Help Room. I feel really echoey right now. I'm sorry. This is not going to be great audio quality. I am back in Utah. I'm, I'm not at your house, Jeff, right now. We still have yet to meet in person. We will in Vegas, but we have yet to meet and do an episode in person. It just hasn't worked out. Uh, I was in Utah recently for two weeks, came back. I had to onboard a new employee who uh, flew out from Florida, had never been to Utah before. So I've been playing tour guide for the week mm. and it's been fun. But last night we went up to Temple Square and, you know, we, uh, we ate at Lucky 13 before I went and showed him around Temple Square for the time. So, you know, I had to opposition and all things, right? I had to go to a bar before we went to church. Mm-hmm. And we were watching, they had the water polo game on, like water polo on at the Olympics last night. And he was like, man, I feel like, you know, like watching water polo, it looks like people swimming in molasses almost because like they're, how hard it is, like they're trying to tread water. And then a couple of minutes later, like we're eating a, and then he was like, oh, have you ever heard of the Boston molasses or the great molasses flood or the Boston molassacre? And you had, I'd never heard of this. And I put this I'd on never heard of it either. And you looked at either. So apparently in. Um, 1919 is what Google's telling me. Yes. In 1919, a molasses flood. So do you know how molasses is created or what molasses is? I don't know the first thing about molasses. I, I learned this last night. I Googled this because I was intrigued. So molasses is basically melted sugar that is burnt. Like it's, so you okay. start, you melt sugar, you get corn syrup, you keep burning it, you get dark corn syrup, you keep, you burn the hell out of it and then you get molasses. And okay. so this basically uh, weather changes, poor construction of these vats or whatever. Um, so 13,000 tons so there's 2.3 million U.S. gallons of molasses exploded and started flooding the streets of Boston, and it injured 150 people and killed 21 people. What a crappy death. The I article know. that I'm reading, it's, uh, where is this, Britannica? It refers to the death of these people as a sweet, sticky death, no, which that's... sounds okay, but there also feels like they took a really Willy Wonka approach to death, and this is much more of a tragedy. But hey, they do things a little different in Britain. Britannic is from Britain, right? I'm making I think an so. assumption there. I don't know. That's probably true. What a ride. Like the pictures, folks, you got to Google the pictures. They're all in black and white, but use your imagination. Uh, this is a ton of molasses, and it would be. There's 13 tons to be exact. 13,000 <laughs> 13 tons. tons. 13,000 tons. I mean, pretty 13,000 tons. Yes, it was 2.6 million US gallons of molasses. Yeah, this would be like, uh, I don't know what this it, what, what, Where was it? Where was that big explosion at the firework thing? Uh, yeah, somewhere oh, in like the Middle East, like a year ago, maybe not quite a year ago, that I don't know what happened, but some port people, oh, you guys the are thing in Lebanon. The thing in Lebanon. Was it Lebanon? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm where it just exploded and it was like shook the whole town. Like this would be on par with something like that, like in terms of devastation, but also like if you can separate yourself from the tragedy of it, like, holy crap, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool if it happened in the mountains and nobody died. And you're just like, what is this weird stuff coming down my street is a little trickle. But the fact that people like getting hit with like molten sugar, that sounds horrible. That doesn't sound fun. No, that's bananas. Um, 
that is one of the crazier things. I, I don't know how, you know, we, a lot of the, the, I guess the world right now, the media, everybody is talking about the things that aren't taught in school. And I know that there are important things or whatever that need to be taught, but why are we not taught something like this? How is it that like, you, Gary, you're one of the smartest people I know. How is it that you got to this point in your life and you never even heard of this? There's a lot of stuff like that and even stuff that's more important, right? Like there was a, um, there was a, do, 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 I mean, like the Tulsa massacre, right? Like how there yeah. was a black wall street and then, then there were riots and it got destroyed and never built up. And that really like set back the, like in the Jim Crow era and afterwards, like, you know, these freedmen who were trying to build a life and they basically, you know, as they were shunned and had to build their own little subculture economy, you know, that it set them back decades. Like people don't get taught about that in school. Like there's so much stuff that happens that we never hear about. And it's not That's that crazy. it's, it's not that it's there, right? Like it's not that it's hidden. It's just that there is so much more data to consume. And this is something that, um, you know, people talk about this and actually the same co-worker and I were talking about this yesterday, like there's having an information to actionability ratio is like, a, that's like a thing. If you're talking about user experience and like reporting and data and design, it's like you live in a world now where we have un, basically unlimited amounts of information, but most of it is completely irrelevant to us and doesn't affect us, but psychologically we let it, right? Like everyone knows that like social media is generally bad for your mental health, right? Like it's people who spend, like you get addicted to being on your phone, but it's not actually productive, whatever. Like all of that stuff. And it's the same thing in anything, right? Like there's just so much information. You can't get it all, but push come to shove. Most of it doesn't actually mean anything. So you have to find ways in your life to like limit the information that you do get to be information that is worthwhile, such as stuff through maybe a podcast, or a newsletter, or on a Discord server, you know, those kind of things that are focused on things that are truly relevant to you in your day-to-day life. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate the transition here, and I was going to go the same direction, because this is quite relevant to uh, a newsletter that we sent out earlier this week about conference realignment rumors, that there was one dude who reported a, a rumor that he had heard that Clemson and Florida State had reached out to the SEC to, about joining their conference, but ultimately the SEC said no. And it was one of those things that like, okay, what was the purpose of this report? Why are you reporting that, hey, two schools in the midst of chaos and uncertainty reached out to the place that is not chaotic or uncertain, but they were told no, so nothing's going to happen. Like what is the, it went viral. What is the purpose of that that report? Um, and we talked about that on the newsletter. We talked about a lot of things on the newsletter. The newsletter is great. It's new. What are we at now? Like a week? Two weeks that we've been doing this? Are, How long have we been doing this? We are at a week. We launched it last week. Uh, we just had our most recent uh, edition went out this morning telling people why they needed to watch the CFL kickoff, which starts in about 45 minutes tonight, and all of the great rule changes that our friends up north have come up with. And we've got a good little community going on Discord. Let me see how many people we're up to on our Discord server. Uh, it's like 45, 50, something like that. I mean, that's, that's not nobody, right? It's we, not nothing. I mean, it's not big. It, it, you're, you're sitting in your office right now. And I was late getting to the podcast recording today because I was doing my real job. So it's not big enough that we have left our jobs. So people, please help out. And 
let's not forget the newsletter is free. And right now for the, really for the month of August, probably everything will be free. Like we won't have any of our premium content, but ladies and gentlemen, in September, we will go to our freemium model where half of the stuff would be free, or I guess half of the newsletters would be free and maybe some specific channels on the discord server, but there's going to be a subscription model here. Listen, we don't get paid enough to create the content that we create. I was thinking about it today on on 24-7. I produce a lot of content over there. People have told me that, that that I, hey, you pump out a lot of articles. You pump out more articles than like multiple of full-time journalists covering sports do major publications in the state of Utah. Without question. Without question. And it kind of hit me today that, wow, this is a lot of time. It's a lot of effort that I am exerting. And so uh, we get compensated, but it's, you know, if I were to take my hourly rate, I bet you I make less than a dollar an hour. So please help us. We do this for you and it is a labor of love. We enjoy it. But we do this because people have expressed interest and, and, and that they like our content, that they like what we're doing. Please support the show in any way you can. The best way to support this is to subscribe to the newsletter. That is, without question, the best way to support this podcast and this endeavor. Um, I, I guess you could still subscribe and be a, a supporter on Anchor if you want to do that directly. Uh, I, I need to turn that off because if you're going to do that, just go straight to the, just go, do the, go newsletter. To the newsletter. It's the same amount. You can join 24-7 Sports if you'd like, but there's some revenue share there with, with 24-7 and with multiple writers and blah, blah, blah. The best way to support the two of us is the newsletter. Please do. We don't ask for that kind of support. We don't plead like this very often, but we're pleading. I'm begging. We have Please pleaded like support. the last we, we have pleaded like the last three weeks, and that's because we finally sat down and I think you sat down and realized that you're making like two cents an hour doing with the yeah, amount of volume well, that you push through. And I sit down and realized that uh, you know it does take us away from like our families. We have little kids, we have wives, like they I your wife doesn't work, right? Like it's, they're both. She does now. She started working. Actually, uh, funny story, because BYU fans might know uh, the Utah fan on Twitter known as Mighty Alaskan Ute. Uh, he likes to argue with BYU fans. And he, I don't know if he's still around or not. Anyway, he's a super nice guy. And he owns a company that does like transcription work for some medical something or other. And they needed somebody to do transcription work. And my wife has started working for him. Super nice guy. His Twitter persona does not match who he is in real life. Like not even so remotely in the same. He's a oh, troll. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, that actually, I, that, good for him. Right. He created a brand and a following. So good on you. But yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, thinking, especially there's times when it's like, I can, I work from home. I can hear that my children are terror, being terrors. And my wife has started working a couple of days a week now too. It's like the days she's with them all day. And it's like, yeah, I'm done with work, but I still got to, you know, record this podcast. I still got to do this. And really, it, I mean, I'm fine doing it for free, but it's really hard to justify it when it's like, it's taking me away from my family. And it's like, oh, I need you to just hang out with them by yourself, even though they've been little shits all day, because I want to do this. 
right? Like, see, I look at it, I look at it a little differently. Like you are obviously a better person than me, but this is like my golf. I, Instead of me going and golfing for five hours, you know, four days a week, I do this. And so I'm okay with it, but please just fair. subscribe, support. It makes it a little bit easier to golf more. How about that? Okay. Yes. Easier to golf more. And we, right now we don't, it's not even golf money. So no, the, no. It, um, so with that, this is, I mean, that was a great transition into that. I, if I do pat myself on that, that was not at all. Where I was. So you, you can see here on our agenda that I have, it says impractical jokers. Have you watched the show? Impractical I have. Jokers? So everybody loves the show. Everybody does. I don't. My dad was one of the, like, I was still living at home. So this was a long time ago that it first was on the, on the air. And my dad was an early adopter to impractical jokers. And what he would do is he would record all of the episodes on DVR. And then we would watch them all in succession, just one after another, after another, after another. It was like binge watching before binge watching was a thing. And the laugh tracks, they're not laugh tracks because it's them laughing, but they overlay the laugh sounds on top of what is actually happening on the show. Right. And when I think of impractical jokers, all I can think of are those laugh tracks in succession, one after another for hours on end, like every weekend, my dad loved it. And we'd watch like six hours on a Sunday afternoon of impractical jokers. And I, once I moved out, I kind of vowed, uh, no, I'm not going to do it again. I love Sal. Sal is uh, his podcast with the, the other guy that I can't remember his name. The Hey Babe podcast is one of my favorite shows out there. Oh, I but didn't know you had I, that one, Sam. That's your better. You're not even a fan and you're a better fan than I am. Yeah, but, it's he. It's funny. It's a really funny podcast. So this is another thing that came up, and this I enjoy Impractical Jokers. If you're not aware with, of the show, if you've been living under a rock, it's these bunch of guys that grew up together. They've been good friends for a long time. They're all kind of stand-up comedians. They basically come up with dares, and they'll like put a butt, like a micro uh, speaker little earpiece in, and they'll have a microphone. And as they come up with stuff, they'll say like, you have to do this in front of, uh, like basically do embarrassing stuff. And then they'll talk into the microphone and be like, hey, now say this, now do this. And if you've chicken out, then like you lose. And it's like, they have a little competition. So we also had another po slightly political thing on the agenda that we deleted because we didn't want to potentially piss off anybody. And but this impractical jokers thing, you thought I was talking about the TV show, but this is actually a political site, slight political oh. segment. So I tricked you. So yesterday, the National Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian posted, due to unforeseen elevator maintenance and to ensure equal access to all our visitors, the second floor of the museum in Washington, D.C. has been temporarily, temporarily closed. We expect to reopen in the near it, yeah, we expect to reopen it near the end of August. As a result, the 1903 Wright Flyer Plane and Neil Armstrong spacesuit, basically the two things everyone wants to see, along with other galleries and artifacts will not be in view. You can see the, what is on display and learn more here and they post the link. So because the elevator broke, nobody gets, they're saying nobody can go up to the second story. Sounds suspicious to me. That's kind of ridiculous, right? So as I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, a friend was like, do you ever think that maybe everyone in Washington, D.C., like it's just a big giant game of impractical jokers, like all U.S. politics is a game of impractical jokers. And they're just like, let's see what we can say and how people react. 
and just see like what they can get away with. And that's really all politics is. It does feel like that sometimes. Uh, this like, is I what, don't think it is, but I it does it, feel like that sometimes. And that's what this felt like to me. It's like, okay, this is someone's like, hey, maybe like maybe they probably put that for real, but it kind of feels like someone's like, oh, you know what? Let's see what people do to this. If I post this on Facebook, what kind of reaction are we gonna get? And it's just laughing, yeah. like it's it's the it's just a giant troll game. I, now, I, I do think I'd take it one step further. Maybe it's not the government because that's that's where I'm at. I don't believe that the government is some big conspiracy. Like, I believe there's shady stuff in the government without question. But I don't think that the government is like some cabal of like there's 12 people that are really pulling the strings to control hundreds of millions and billions of people throughout the world. I think that's a little out there for me. But why couldn't God, you know, just have a little bit of fun with us? Like, why couldn't it be like you think about it? Eternity is forever. At some point, you got to get bored. So why can't why couldn't it be now? Maybe this is border like sacrilege. I don't know. But why couldn't it be that we're just like God's side project? Because like we know in the church, we talk about it, that like the concept of time here on Earth doesn't exist in the eternities. And therefore, our time on Earth is really minimal, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, we're not here very long. So like, what if we're just like the cell phone game that he just is like, oh, I guess I'll download this and play for 10 minutes. Uh, and then maybe he doesn't really like it. And that's when he uninstalls it. And that kind of just wipes us all out. <laughs> that's that went very dark, very quick. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that it is... I don't think it's impossible that maybe God's just a little bit, you know, he's playing around with us and maybe not everything. I'm sure he loves us. I know he loves us, but like, maybe there's like, Hey, let's see what happens if we throw this pandemic and that people will be like, Oh my gosh, people are dying. And it's like, okay. In God's eyes, they're coming home. They're not dying. So it's not like he's making us suffer. So yeah, we'll throw out this little pandemic and just watch them go nuts. Like, come on. Cause we've all done it. We've all like seen an anthill and you're like, I'm just going to kick it. For no reason whatsoever. I have, you just go. I have never done that. I'm that's sorry. That's a lie. Everybody has. That you go and you just kick an anthill and you just watch them scurry around. And there's no reason to do it. But you do it. And you watch them panic. And there's something inside of you that justifies it because they're ants. Who cares? They're ants. We're, this is God we're talking about. Like, why can't we just be his anthill? That he just, like, wants to poke it every once in a while. We'll rebuild it. We'll get back. It doesn't really hurt anything. Why can't he do that? I think maybe he does. Fall camp is here, Garrett. The, I before we jump on, I'm sorry. This is a this is a late breaking news because I just uh -oh. saw this is well. It's not a breaking news. It's breaking me. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about maybe it was last week. We talked about the Elders Corps Moving Company, right? What if I told you that RD Service LLC located in Southern California, near in the San Diego area, that that actually was a thing. This is what happened, okay? A lady called the bishop and said that she was being taught by the sister missionaries in the ward and needed help on Sunday because loading up a truck because that was the only day they could get a rental. And the bishop checked mm. with the sisters. They didn't know who this woman was, but then somehow this lady also got a hold of the elders form president who got some people to show up and help after church. When they all arrived, the homeowners had no idea why they were there as they had hired a full service 
moving company. Just then the movers showed up and they figured out what's happening. So, and somehow this person found out, maybe it was our podcast. Maybe they are a listener and they were like, wait a minute. So this was like recently. This was last weekend. And so this moving company was like, we can hire people or we can call the Mormons and tell them we're moving and they will just, a couple of them are bound to show (laughs) up and then we can just take the money and get, not have to pay any labor. We just have to rent a truck. Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I applaud them. Yeah. Because it shows how ridiculous it is. That's amazing. So actually, I don't, I mean, there it's, it's also actually kind of, they're kind of all over the place. So if you look at it, their phone number is in San Diego, but it's like, Loading in San Ramon, which is like that's up in the East Bay. It's like headed to Texas. So I don't know if they're doing cross country well, moves or maybe they just got in a pinch and they're like, Mormons, we need somebody. Mormons are everywhere. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, their, their employee base is wherever there's a church. So, yes, apparently this, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to fleece some people and successfully see, fleece them. So they posted this... on Facebook. They covered the missionary space so you can see like <laughs> on their Facebook page, there's a kid inside the moving truck wearing a Tennessee ball shirt with his missionary tag on and they slapped an emoji over his face so you can't actually see who he is. I, I need that link because that's amazing. Uh, and this is the problem. Like the elders core, like it should just be done away with. Like there are people who need help. And it should come from the bishop that, hey, we're going to help this this guy or something. I don't know. But, like, this is what we've created within our culture, where moving people in and out is just, like, what you do. That there are people who have created fake companies. Maybe no, real I companies. Think this is a real, real company companies and, they and hired fake labor. Yes. Like, come on, people. We got we to gotta put an end to this. We got <laughs> we to gotta talk about fall camp because – I'm going to rant some more. We ran it about this last week. Uh, fall camp is here. There's some roster notes. Before we get into the stuff of fall camp, let's go through the, kind of the checklist items. Okay. And maybe even before that, Cormani McLean, big five-star cornerback. I think he's in the top 10 of the 2023 recruits. He came to BYU a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, maybe. And he was going to be the Najee Harris that everybody asked about for the next million years. Bless his heart, he released his top five today, 18 months before he signs, and BYU is not in it. So darn. thankfully for me, I can not answer that question for the next year and a half. So I am grateful for Cormani McLean. Very nice guy. And uh, he was at camp. What was he at? He was at some, I can't remember, some rivals camp or something two weeks ago wearing his BYU gloves. Like he's got a soft spot in his heart for BYU, but he's not going to come to BYU. He was never going to come to BYU. And now we don't have to answer that question anymore. So great. That's good for me. Mostly. I'm probably the only one who really is excited about this, but you guys don't appreciate how many times I get asked the same question over and over and over and over again, over the course of 18 months. Like it, it, it's nonstop. So appreciative of Cormani McLean for just cutting us loose right off the bat. Uh, some of the other checklist items, roster notes, Anoka and Elio Miguel are not on the roster. They were a big part of the 2021 recruiting class. They, they are likely not on the roster. Both would have been in the two deep on at their respective positions this year. They would have uh, both had, yeah, been in contention for sure. Uh, it sounds academic and, and really, I mean, okay, I, I, I know loosely what it is um but in the interest of these kids i'm not gonna it's their business but 
you can kind of read into what's going on when, when, I mean, it's not honor code related. It's not anything like that. Uh, when somebody doesn't enroll, but they're still planning on enrolling, it typically is, is academic related. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they're enrolled. They're still hoping they can get enrolled at school by the fall semester. So what is that? Like the 30th of this month, I think, but yeah. they may not actually join the football team until January. That's the hope. And that's the hope that we should all be hoping for. We just cross your fingers. They don't end up going the Juco route because then it reopens their recruitment and who knows what happens. So right. fingers crossed. They end up at BYU for fall semester. Jock Wilson was not on the roster. Uh, Mitch Harper, our guy, Mitch informed the world that he was on the sideline. They are hoping that he will join the secondary here in the coming weeks. There's a bunch of guys that are in a similar mold right now. Jacques Wilson was at practice, so he's one step closer than some of these other guys. But Michael Daly was not on the roster and is hoping to be enrolled later on. That's a, uh, I think a few things have to fall into place for him to be there, but he's hoping that he could get enrolled. Otherwise, he'll be a push forward to January. So they are uh, still trying to get him. For 21. Well, I, I'm trying to read between the lines. So Alden Tofa and uh, Alama Pilimai, they were also left off of the roster. But they have, like, they're not cut. They're not gone forever. They're not at the transfer portal. There's a, a, a scenario where they're back in time for fall semester as well, and they're back on the team. In my mind, that's what's going on with like Michael Daly, who's a return missionary. He's had three years to get his stuff in order and academics were never a concern coming out of Lone Peak High. I, my gut says that this is like a scholarship crunch situation that it's like, okay, we got two scholarships for the year, but we got five guys who really could use them. So the true freshman, yeah, we're going to have to push you forward. But if Jacques Wilson and Alden Tofa are able to make it back, they're the ones who get the scholarship allocated to them, right? That I, I don't know that. That's not fact. That's my speculation on the matter is that the numbers are tight. And if you were borderline, Kalani and staff, they just made the decision and said, okay, we're getting rid of everybody who is borderline. And some of the true freshmen uh, who are probably not going to play or who were just returned in the last 90 days or so, you guys probably aren't going to be in shape. So we're not going to add you to the roster until January. But if some of these other guys don't make it, then we'll add you early. I think that's kind of what's going on. I don't know okay. that for sure, but that seems like what's going on. And the last nugget, not nugget, but really checklist item that we have here, Keanu Saliapaga is not on the roster. We've expected that one for a very, very long time. That, that ship is gone. Now, the Saliapagas have enjoyed their BYU experience. There is a Raggy Saliapaga at Orem High School, class of 2024. He's going to be big time. I believe it's Keanu's little brother. BYU was the first to offer. Saliapagas are still fond of BYU, but it does sound like Keanu, his time at BYU is done, at least for this year. Maybe he finds his way back next season, but at least for this year, gone. So those are the, those are the checklist. That's the big um, ones. Beyond Beyond that, man, I mean, it's fall camp. Football season's here. We're, we're finally here. Um, I guess we can, I guess we got to talk about the vaccine stuff. Jay Drew, I don't know if you listen, Jay, to the podcast or not, 
If you do, we're glad you do. If you don't, we're going to talk about you. Uh, Jay Drew was determined to learn everything that he could about the vaccine today and the vaccine protocols. And it felt a little bit like if you listen to the interviews with every player that, that Jay was there, every player, every coach, he asked about it, asked, tried to get vaccination rates. Like he did what, what journalists should do, but he, he was really focused on this story. And frankly, it's the stuff that we care about. It's the stuff that I, I wanted to know. And it, it got me thinking today that Jay Drew, if I was a coach or a player, I'd probably be really annoyed with Jay Drew. But my gosh, how badly does the rest of the Salt Lake media, specifically the BYU media, but I, I, I've heard them cover Utah as well. It's the same thing. We need more Jay Drews. Holy cow. Like we need more journalists who are willing to ask coaches the questions in press conferences that they don't want to answer. I was, uh, it, it boggles my mind how many just softball questions get thrown up. But then you watch like an interview of anybody who's in New York, anybody who's in Atlanta, who's in a, a right. major sports town. It's totally different. The coaches ask questions or the, the, the reporters ask the coaches questions. And if they don't answer, then they continue to ask and ask and ask. And then they write stories about how the coach is dodging questions. Like the media really holds these coaches accountable. And unless you reach a level of respect, like Nick Saban, that you are so intimidating that people are just afraid of you, then truthfully, you kind of get to ask whatever you want. Jay's really the only media guy in, that covers BYU who I think is willing to ask those uncomfortable questions more than once. They'll all ask, but when the answer is kind of a ho-hum, cover-it-up answer, or, or don't answer the real question, just talk around it. When Jay asks, he'll ask again. He'll ask again, and then he'll go to the next interview and ask the same questions to the next guy again and again and again. And I respect that. If I was a coach or a player, I'd hate it, but I'm not. I'm a fan, and I respect that Jay Drew does that. We need more. And we do need more of it, and it, it does seem in, – it's kind of a hard thing, right, because especially if you're a journalist, right, like you want to have sources. You want to be able to get told things. You want to be fed inside things, and there is that balance of – are you going to be the guy who gets told stuff, which means you have to stay in their good graces, or are you going to be the guy that asks the hard questions? And you need a mix of both. And right, it seems that everyone wants to be the guy that gets told stuff. And that's honestly more fun to be that guy. It is. But for but the fans, people, like... for the fans, it is more fun to have those other people be the guy that asks hard questions. I, I struggle with that a little bit. I, I agree with what you're saying. I struggle conceptually with that a little bit. Um, I, I don't see Kalani just like, you know, like there's some position coaches maybe, or there's certainly some players, definitely staffers that are on the team. I don't see Kalani ever being a guy that like says whatever he says in a press conference, but then he walks in like during practice, pulls his buddy aside and is like, Hey, here's the real scoop. Like I, I, I th those sources need to exist, but I don't think anybody's texting Kalani directly, hoping to get an answer about something that's happening. So, like, why are we tiptoeing around Kalani as an example, or even the coordinators? Why are you tiptoeing around the coordinators? Like, ask the question. If you have something that needs to be answered, ask. Ask the question. If they don't answer it, ask it again. Ask it until they're annoyed with you, and 
the SID who's in charge of that press conferences or that press conference just ends the press conference. Like, cause that's what will happen. And maybe it's a byproduct of, of BYU. I would think it's a byproduct of BYU if it wasn't the same at Utah where like BYU just will pull credentials cause they've threatened to do that. Like I, that, that's been a thing. Uh, in fact, well, I'm not going to get into it, but when we posted something on the board a couple of years ago, uh, a, a certain SID found out that we posted what was inside information. And he threatened to pull credentials from uh, writers who wrote for us at the time. And it was like, well, we got the information without the credentials. So, okay, fine, pull it. I don't care. But if, I, if I'm a beat writer for the Deseret News, I kind of have to have those credentials. But it's the same at Utah. Like I, I've heard those beat reporters talk to Witt and talk to those coach, that, that coaching staff. Our media is just a little soft. They're great. We love them, but a little soft. And uh, maybe, maybe we need to all take a page out of J. Drew's book a little bit, media friends. Just press a little harder. Uh, I did... I did have a chance that I was up here this week to go down to campus. Um, I did get to go see inside the new locker room and it is even more beautiful in person than it is on all the videos that I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen. And I kind of asked about the vaccine stuff a little bit, kind of what is going to happen. And kind of what, I mean, I don't know exactly. And the person that I talked to is, you know, maybe knowledgeable in general, but not exactly, you know, they're not directly tied to it, right? Because it is, you know, it is dealing with the medical information of athletes and you're not going to, you know, so I don't know how many players have gotten the vaccines, whatever, but my under, basically in general, what the NCAA is going to do is that um, unvaccinated or vaccinated players will not be tested. They're going to say, look, you got a vaccine. The vaccine is supposed to work. If it works, then we don't really need to test you, right? And then if the unvaccinated players will still have to follow the same testing schedule that they were last week or last year, which is three times a week, need one for game day, um, vaccinated players will only have to be held out if they test positive and they're only going to get tested if they are symptomatic or if there's like a there's like a threshold number where it's like a certain percentage of the team test positive at once, then they can test the whole team. Um, but then other than that, it's still the same contract tracing rules, whatever. So I think what most schools are doing, not every school is, re- some of schools are requiring all their athletes to do it, others are not. Um, what most schools are doing is they are just going to say like, look, the vaccine's there. We're not paying for tests anymore, right? Their test costs 50 bucks a pop and you have to get three a week for the whole season. You know, that's like three, $4,000, whatever that is. And so it's like, if you want to pay that, then you can pay that. Otherwise, go get your arm stabbed. And so I think, I don't think that it is going to, and so that being said, I have no idea like what percentage of the team has been vaccinated, um, you know, nor do I really care, right? Like it's not, I want them to, because I want to watch them play football, right? But it's not any, like, can't do it. Like, I don't care because I can't do anything about it, right? Like I can go force them to do it. Um, But I did also ask about Vegas. And what is going to happen, I had heard some swirling rumors about, you know, potentially are they going to start having to give back tickets if they cap enrollment. And as of this week, um, they, the, apparently it will still be full capacity, which means it's probably going to be about 70, 30 BYU fans, if not more. And the only difference is that they're like all fans in attendance will have to wear a mask. Like that's what they were told. And that's what they're planning is the only change that's going to happen is that they're going to have to, we're going to have to wear masks again. And it's not going to be, you know, full bore normal. It will be full capacity with the mask on. 
So I can handle that. I, if it I means I get masks. To like I'll wear it. I, I'm happy to wear it. We talked about this last week. Right. I got vaccinated in the name of football. I'll wear a mask in the name of football. I would rather get a vaccine every day than wear a mask. I just hate the mask. I was talking. I, I taught uh, my Sunday school class of teenagers this week, and uh, there was a girl in the class who had said yes to go to prom with somebody last year who she had been in school with for a year. Like they had known each other. They had talked, they had whatever. He, he asked her to prom. She said, yes. Prom was the first time that she saw him maskless. Oh my gosh. And all she said is that, well, I wouldn't have said yes. If I would have known what's behind the mask, I just hate the masks. I wish that masks were a thing, but like we got to do what you got to do, so whatever. But I wish masks were a thing. And so, watching a football game with a mask, I did it last year. High school games, did it during high school games. I'll do it again if we have to. But like, I just, I hate the masks. I just hate masks. I'm happy to comply, but I hate them. I can agree with that. Um, it's oh, as Jeff is telling his kid to get out of the room. Uh, it's yeah, been a brief. quick episode, Jeff. I have to, I gotta get going. I gotta, I gotta take the new guy to our, our farewell dinner, you know, our last night here. Mm. Where, where should we go to eat tonight? Well, you're down there where I don't really know anything anymore. That's true. Where you're, I where would recommend, I would recommend Sugar House Barbecue. It's like one of the barbecue places that nobody talks about in Utah. It's on, I don't know, like 13th South and 5th East or something like that. It's pretty solid barbecue, but they're wings. Like the barbecue itself is whatever. It's it's good. Not like you're going to write home about it is the best you've ever had, but it's good. But they're wings. I love their wings. Their wings I could eat every day of my life. So that's my recommendation. Oh, it's not real close to SoFi no, or to uh, no. Lendio. No, but that is a trick because I'm, I'm right next to the Cabela's in Lehigh. So that, that's a trick. No, that's all um, I got, man. Uh, so I got to go figure out where we're going to get dinner. It's a quick episode. Uh, you know, really just there was no news, right? Like it's it's kind of every year before fall camp, there's the calm before the storm, right? You We have the people that we talk to. They start doing stuff right? like, you know, the people that are usually talking get a little more buttoned up right before camp. And there's not a whole lot going on. You know, there's not usually by the tank time camp starts most of the time you know who's going to be there who's not going to be there right like the Miguel brothers were in a surprise even just like a lot of the times the people you'd normally talk to are too busy to talk because it's like no matter how much they pay like something is big and is prepping right it's for football season no matter how much you prep and plan and think you've got everything plotted out to be like well-timed and this and that it still comes down to like the last two weeks you're like oh crap this is all this is still the list of stuff we have to tie up in the next five days and so, you know, there's oh, a, a there's, lot of things just, just quiet. There's only so much news, right? I mean, people kind of get on 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 my case or whatever about a certain question. I don't know. Hey, what's going on with so-and-so? What's going on with so-and-so? I can only ask that question so many times and get told uh, nothing. Nothing is going on. We're hoping that he gets back or whatever the answer might be before there's just – that's the answer. Nobody knows the answer. And so – if we're doing our job well, which I think we do, then you get to this point where it should be in. Then 15 years ago, before the internet, there was an onslaught of information. That really isn't isn't there anymore. 
the Miguel's should have been a surprise, right? Like that should be a big story to talk about today. But we've known that for a couple of months. We've kind of been preparing everybody for it to the point where it happened today. It's not really that surprising. So it doesn't feel like news anymore. And I think sometimes we're a product of our own success. And I think that's what's happening here. And so with that, Jeff, I'm very excited to hear see what we hear out of the coming days. Um, I'm excited to see as many, you know, those little clips, right? Those clips where you can just feel that something is good. Like I remember back in spring ball 2018, there was one clip that they posted and mm. it was shot from the far end zone and it was Zach Wilson throwing the ball. And I remember retweeting Quotunian and saying like, start this kid over 10 or make Right. Like I remember that from spring ball because you could just tell the way the ball came out of his hand was going to be good. Did I know he was going to be as like amazing all timer as he was? No, but you could tell he was going to be good. And, you know, they posted a clip today and then you saw a couple throws and Jaron Hall and Jacob Conover both look good, really good. They've both been working. It's Jaron Hall's job, Jaron Hall's job to lose. He's going to be the guy that trots out as QB1 against Arizona, pending something crazy. But no matter what, this, I'm so confident in this offensive staff. And this in the, those three guys that even if it comes down to Baylor Romney managing the game, Aaron Roderick will put him in position to win. And I'm not worried at all about that. It's it's the rest of the stuff, right? It's you know, it's the game planning is one thing, right? But going out and actually executing is a different thing. But I think all three of them are very capable. And Jaron Hall is just so dynamic and just fun as hell to watch. And I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited. And until next week, Jeff, give him hell. Give him hell. <laughs>